Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined by my dad, Jack. Here in Southern California, let me tell you, we are still here. The uh, Hurricane Hillary did not take us away. Um, <laughs> so, uh, In spite of all the meteorologic lunacy going on. <laughs> yeah, lot, lots of people in the news. I mean, it was it was wall-to-wall -wall weather yesterday. Uh, on television here, um, unless, you, well, you know, you could always go to those channels where they don't, you know, HGTV didn't have weather and, and, yeah. uh, and I was able to watch a part of a preseason football game, you know, at NFL channel, there wasn't weather there, or actually, yeah. I guess I tried the, I was watching NFL channel and it suddenly went blank and, and it was like, oh, you're, you're blocked out. You can't watch that. Yeah, there. well, we watched we, golf. It was on local. It was on a local station instead, so I had to go to the local station to watch it. So, yeah, e even the preseason, you get blacked out, man. So, <laughs> yeah, you were watching golf, all kinds of uh, sporting stuff going on while the Southland is getting blown away. Yeah. So, and I say that very tongue in cheek. I'm sure there were places where there was much more difficulty than we had, but yesterday where I was. I have trees around my house and not a branch on a tree moved. There was like no wind whatsoever. It was dead still the entire day. Uh, but there was a fair amount of rain uh, coming down, in, and I say fair amount. It was continuous. It wasn't that heavy. Uh, last time I looked at it, last night when I went to bed, we were still less than a full inch of rain for the day. And uh, so we might have topped out a slightly over an inch. But, uh, you know, it was... It was for, from my perspective. It, the 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 hurricane was a bust. There really wasn't much of a show. So, yeah. Can you imagine how these news media must work? They'll say to somebody, "Man, that doesn't look bad enough. Go find the the middle of the storm and get out in the middle of that." Yeah. <laughs> they they want to post their people out there with the wind blowing their hats off. And, oh yeah. Uh, they they had a guy from the Weather Channel. You know, is a national weather station. Uh, on the opposite side of the valley from where I am, uh, and they would cut to him every once in a while. And he was at a depot where they were filling up sandbags. Oh. And so, you know, he was talking to people filling up sandbags. And most of the people were like, well, yeah, I went over there and they said to come over here. So I'm getting some sandbags. He goes, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> we had some rains. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Southern California. And so, you know, when we get rains, usually we don't get August rains. But when we get our rains, usually in February-ish, February, March, um, it's, uh, there's like mudslides somewhere in Southern California, you know, it's, uh, largely if we've had a lot of fires, the fire burns away the root systems or kills the plants and, and the root systems are what hold the, the dirt and stuff onto hills. And so, you know, if a fire scorched your hill, you can pretty much count on the next time we get a good rain, you're going to get some mud coming <laughs> down that hill. I mean, it's, it's fairly predictable in that sense. So, you know, you don't know yeah. when the rain maybe is going to come, but you know that, you know, if, if a fire burned and you haven't had enough growth to, to hold the hill again, then, yeah. you know. So, um, like I said, I haven't, honestly, I didn't, didn't watch the morning news here. So I don't know uh, if there were like, you know, any follow-ups of like catastrophes that happened, um, you know, just because it wasn't windy and didn't have much of an effect here, uh, you know, I know further east of me even just 10 miles east of me there was more rain and actually west of me as well so we just happened to be in a spot that was sort of somehow sheltered yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure why yeah well you escaped the news <laughs> yeah yeah well you know i mean 
general purpose news doesn't do much for me anyway. I don't, I don't spend a whole lot of time hanging on that. I mean, I'm, I, I stay peripherally aware in case, you know, something, you know, yeah. if, if, a, if a major war breaks out or something, I'm aware of it, but, uh, um, you know, you know I, of- I'm more interested in like tech news and sports and things like that. And so, yeah. Speaking of news, uh, your mother, uh, she checks Facebook occasionally, and mm-hmm. uh, even though I, I seldom, but she uses my my uh, access program mm-hmm. to to Facebook. Your, your so account, right? My yeah, my account. And uh, she found a, uh, a video from Cocker City, Kansas. Now, mm-hmm. to people who don't know, I grew up in the famous Cocker City of Kansas, famous for one thing: yeah. <laughs> a large ball of twine. <laughs> but mm-hmm. as towns go, it was. At the time I lived there, it was about 600 people. Uh, after that, they built a dam cut off at, for sure, a half of the population south of town because there's a gigantic lake there. Yeah, a bunch of farms, including your family farm, is now that's sits right. underwater. So that's right. And uh, anyway, but the town then squ- uh, 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 fell down below 200 people. So I mean, it's a tiny place these mm-hmm. days. You know, you'd think there would be no, nothing there. But turns out that they've got some civic-minded folks. Uh, one who was a, a wealthy young fellow that uh, inherited uh, uh, one of the major manufacturing companies founded by his father and uncles and stuff. That was a big deal and major town employer for years. And and so there's some money in the town. And, uh, and so he uh, and a couple others uh, are really activists and they they had an annual picnic and i you know read kind of read about it or heard about it over the years but never really know uh knew much about it but uh, in facebook this year one of the uh, young ladies had uh was carrying a microphone and somebody was had a camera and followed her around to the different events and things that were going on Mm -hmm. and hey by golly it made cocker look like they were in the news now the only thing I recognized was over her shoulder. I could see some old buildings that were still surviving. <laughs> right. Yeah. After, stuff after, from your era, huh? After the 50 years or 80, 60, 70 years since I've been gone from there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, I remember, you know, on a couple family vacations growing up, going through, you know, yeah. just to see, yeah. I mean, in it, it was already, um, the lake, the dam had already been built and the lake was there for when I, you know, I mean, when I, for stuff, I remember when I was very young, I visited your farm before yeah. it was underwater, but I, I, I've seen pictures of that, but I don't really have any, you know, like clear but, memories of that. But gradually over time, yeah. there's been old buildings that just there's been mm-hmm. no reason to keep, uh, them, uh, maintained sure. because there was no businesses demanding space. And so as they got dangerous, uh, somebody would come and tear it down. So, uh, along a main street of what used to be at least uh, two dozen uh, limestone, large limestone buildings, there's mm-hmm. there may be a half dozen left, you know. Sure. So it's really not much left that's recognizable. Yeah, but small town yeah. America, that's probably not an unusual story. But the other sort of uh, notable thing is when you came into those towns in Kansas, they all had water towers that mm-hmm. had a, some unique shape or something. Yeah, uh, and the name of the them. town up on the water tower, so you knew where that's, you were. That's how the town was identified. Well, recently they've replaced the the water tower. I don't know, it had to be a downsized one, but the old one, I guess, got so rusty and 
wouldn't hold water anymore, but they they still wanted to have drink clean drinking water that uh, yeah. with the storage. Yeah. For those facility. who don't know, the reason they do that on the in the plains is because there's not enough elevation and water up there to provide any water pressure to your sinks. And so they pump the water up into a tower and then let gravity bring that water down to everybody's faucets and sinks in the, in the, in the area. Yeah, so anyway, the water tower was probably close to a 50 years, 100 years old when I grew up there. And yeah. so now it's, uh, they're starting over, resetting to zero mm-hmm. uh, with a new one. So that'll yeah. change the looks of the place too. So yeah. Well, more recently, hasn't that a, a large portion of uh, of uh, the space in town, as far as business, has been tourist, right? Because isn't there a fairly large like hunting preserve in the area? And uh, pheasant hunting season brings people, and they have right. a hotel or, or motels there yeah. to accommodate the hunters that come right. in, and uh, usually out of Kansas City or Wichita, the big towns, mm-hmm. uh, still have a bunch of people who grew up hunting so they like to go back out in the prairie and yeah look for pheasants because that's always an exciting bird to shoot because it's beautiful and uh, uh, mm-hmm. get your picture taken with your prey <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway so. and and they had jackrabbit hunts when i was a kid i don't know if they do that anymore but they had half that was a necessity because there were so many jackrabbits overrunning the countryside that it was eating crops and gardens yeah. and stuff like that so yeah, it had become a pest that needed to be taken care of so you'd go and, out and say yeah, okay and, well we're gonna have and, rabbit stew tonight let's let's yeah. clear the fields <laughs> well it wasn't that people were excited about eating the rabbit but uh but just get, getting rid of them and yeah. it seemed like a bullish way to do it, but it was very effective. And that was all the farmers would gather on one Saturday morning, usually, mm-hmm. with clubs in their hands. And even their children, and I carried one along, too, and whopped a couple rabbits that tried to mm-hmm. escape. And you try to hit the rabbit without hitting the guy next to you, Yeah, <laughs> which happened occasionally. <laughs> yeah, I imagine a few fights broke out over that. But, yeah, uh, but yeah, 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 you just corral them and and. and Bump them and, 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 you know. And, well, you start with in a sort of a circle, maybe a mile wide. And by the time you get down to a few hundred yards away, you got piles of rabbits trying to get out of that circle. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing sight. And there's some pictures on the web of old, yeah. old-time rabbit hunts. But it was an experience worth remembering because right. it was not that often. And it was kind of a blood sport, too. Yeah. You know? Well, everybody thinks of, you know, cute fuzzy bunny rabbits but these are these are wild rabbits that are are destroying crops and so that's right and yeah. and, and they breed like rabbits and so there's lots of that's, them <laughs> exactly i mean it was amazing they would do it annually yeah uh, you'd have just as many the next year i mean it was just yeah. a regular thing yeah so yeah anyway so and like for- i said i know you may be not looking forward to 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 rabbit meat but you also don't just let perfectly good oh. beat rot in the field so it was like yeah a lot of them ended up in the hog farms and yeah stuff like that. yeah so tech stuff tech. i found this one interesting um the there's been some recognition that there's an a19 and m5 chips on apple backend servers and they're, they're getting identified uh being out on the internet you know sending their code and stuff through different routers and, you know, you think about, well, you know, where are their numbers and stuff? A19 would correspond to like an iPhone 17 Pro, which, you know, we're coming out with the 15 in a month. So this is two years out, which tells you Apple is testing some chips, some very, 
you know, that shows you how far advanced Apple is in their in their testing and development. Oh yeah, right? because it it takes years to get uh, some of these things done because yeah. that's what advancements are, and it gets harder and harder as time goes on. Yeah. And and although the article doesn't necessarily talk about it, you know, Apple has been buying. I mean, like for their for their servers in their in their large um, uh, server farms that they run for iCloud and all of that stuff. Generally speaking, they've been running computers that they buy from somebody else in the yeah. servers because they don't really make a server processor or a server uh, you know uh, device. But it looks as if, and this could be very well them testing. The idea of them creating a server device, you know, somewhere down the road that's made to run in those large farms, and that way, then they own that one, you know, soup to nuts as well, uh, as opposed to relying on somebody else's equipment. And uh, you know, I see no reason why they wouldn't want to do that, especially given that you know, when you run a server farm, one of the biggest issues is cost of of your uh, of running it right and their chips are some of the most efficient in the world so why wouldn't they want to tackle that problem and save themselves a bunch of money sure yeah well and it can integrate it more effectively with their other portable devices because mm -hmm. you know just about i think all phones that uh, I, f I forgot where they started it but they have the high speed uh, uh i forgot the designation now for the communications but uh it's much faster than the rest. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have it in front of me. So yeah. I what, what are you? I, I don't know where you're trying to go with that. What are you talking about? High-speed communications. Well, you're talking about their ultra-wideband well, chip that they run. Yeah. Anytime you're going to per, uh, have servers, that means that you're remote from the device, and the, so you need a, a wireless uh, channel. And mo most of the phones have high-speed wireless now. Uh, and uh, their their phone. Uh, connection is is what I'm talking about. It's much faster than right, than, but they're they're the servers aren't wireless. They're sitting in a big server farm where there's a whole bunch of people who were right there with them, and they're well, attached to the internet through some sort of physical attachment. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's not wireless, but uh, yeah, I, I expect that it could be. I you know, probably, because, but you know, I, I don't see a reason to to necessarily do that. I mean, unless there's an advantage that they can have, where you know, they when they plug in chips, they don't have to run wires to every server because they all basically mesh together and make a network on their own. You know, yeah. which is certainly, you know, when you when you think about a server farm, if you own, you know, the operating system and the processors, then you can start looking at you know solutions that don't necessarily work the way everything else does. Right? You can do it however you want. Yeah. So, yeah. but I don't know if there's necessarily an advantage doing well, that. Well, it, it all it all depends on the connection speed between devices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially the memory channel. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, but it's interesting to see that they're, you know, two plus years out, we're seeing, you know, some uh, evidence that these, these things exist and are being already tested. And, uh, and I think it's very interesting that they're doing it you know, as a back-end server somewhere, um, because I think, like you said, that that just given the efficiency alone of their chips, that there's there's justification for them to say, you know, we don't want to be using a Unix-based server that runs on Intel chips. Why don't we, you know, run whether it be yep. Unix or whether it run on an operating system of our own own design? Why don't, why aren't we running it on our chips? Because we can get a lot more oomph for for less 
electrical juice, right? <laughs> and so, yes, right, absolutely. And you start multiplying that times several thousand computers in a in a, in a uh, server farm, and you know that that's a lot of money. That's a yeah, lot and, of money. Yeah, and know? and by by the names that they're applying, it's an upward growth of the processing power mm-hmm. of the various devices. Yeah. Uh, so those will all be more alike. So we don't, you know, as you say, avoid the, avoid the foreign languages of other systems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something that, that always bothers me, too, is when, when everybody complains about, like, when Apple says, hey, we, you know, we're, we want 30% of the sales on things in the App Store. And they say, oh, they're just ripping people off. It's an Apple tax. And it's like, yeah. well, Apple has to run these these giant server farms in order for iCloud and the App Store to work. And to provide, you know, that out to everybody who attaches to it. And so, you know, there's a lot of expense and cost involved in that. That's what that yep. money goes to. It's not just credit card. You know, they say, oh, well, credit card processing is only like 3% or 2.5%. Why are they charging 30%? They're ripping us off. Well, <laughs> they're paying the 2.5% or 3% or whatever it is. I'm sure they negotiate the best deal they can but to the do best. the credit card processing. But the remaining, you know, what, 26.5% or 27% is, the you know, I mean, there's profit involved. I'm, don't get me wrong. Apple's making money doing this. But they also have to pay for the electricity and the, and the you know, just the cost of building all of these server farms, that, that all of that stuff exists. The cloud, you know, I have a T-shirt that I wear every once in a while, and, and I always get a giggle out of it from people when they see it. And on it, it says, there is no cloud. It's just someone else's computer. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, best answer, the best answer, though, is just take a business perspective of it, and that is they charge it because they can. They there's, do. No comp- there's no competition. To, do, to provide that service from somebody else. And if there is, then they'll they'll negotiate, you know, like any other good business. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But but what I, uh, I, I guess it just irritates me that nobody ever brings that up. I don't yeah. ever hear anybody saying, what, as a counter to the why are they charging so much, that, like, fine, you know, if you want to process your own credit cards, do that, but we're going to charge, we're still going to charge you 27%. You know, you we're not going to charge you the 3% for that part, but the other 27%, you're still paying that to, to be on our you know on our servers and to be uh, available to everybody and and you know because it costs money to run those servers. Yep. You know the cloud isn't some anamorphous thing. It's literally somebody else's computer that all that stuff is running on. You know. And they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to get away with charging the price if other people weren't willing to pay it. Right. Well, and <laughs> literally so you talk to those, those people who are paying it. Literally every other software store is charging the exact same fees. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yep. the Google Play Store has been charging those same fees, and before Apple had a store, uh, you know, the the Microsoft uh, Xbox Store, the and the uh, Sony PlayStation Store, where sure. you download games, they charge the same fees to put you, put games and stuff up on their servers. I mean, it's not like this is you know unusual. Yep. So I don't know why Apple's the one that always that's gets just... slammed for it, other than they're just the biggest target. You know. That's that's it. That's it. It's like you guys have sixty-five billion dollars. You know, you should just give this to us. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, regardless yep. of how much somebody has, has nothing to do with whether or not something else makes business sense for them. So you yeah. know, now are they making more money than they you know should be? Well, yep. again, the argument, like you said, could be made that if they had any direct competition, which you know that's been 
you know, in the courts as to whether or not they're going to be forced into provide, you know, providing a way for other people to compete with them. Um, you know, it's, you know, sure. Yeah. You know, if there's competition, then prices usually get better for the consumer, you know, and if not prices, product quality, because they're forced to compete, you know? So, yep. well, and, and, they have a lot of products that just there are there are no uh, competition for some of their things, like yeah. especially the processors these days. Yeah. That M3 is going to so surpass everything. It's just like when they announced the M1. Yeah, and and it all has to do with they're just the first ones to this uh, very condensed uh, chip process, and that mm -hmm. all made it possible. Like somebody in here in a comment says, I'm, I won't wait. Uh, I, I no longer want an M3 computer. I'll wait for the M5. <laughs> you yeah. know, hey, you know, if you're no. in no hurry, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but you can do that. And that's, you know, that's the same thing with, you know, phones and stuff every year, you know, or, or whatever. You know, it's always the, the next one's always going to be better in some way. So the question is, is that way significantly better well, for you and that's the very personal thing if it's better for you you know yes that's right uh, yeah because you know i i know i i've talked about talked about it in the past you know my brother uh has an iphone 8 and when he bought that iphone 8 it was literally in august of the year that they were really uh, uh, uh of it was in august of the year that the iphone xs was coming out so the 8 was almost a year old when he bought it it was like 11 months old they're getting ready to announce the new phones and he says hey guess what i got a new phone and i went cool what'd you get <laughs> why, it, was why on, did, it was on sale <laughs> why why did you get it now and you know what he's had that phone since he got it he's been yeah. happy with the phone it's been a great phone for him and, you know, and, and that made, you know, made me think about the fact that, yeah, I wouldn't have been happy because I would have known that I could have waited, you know, three weeks or four weeks and gotten the newest but phone. You, and you'd have had to pay more. You know. and, yeah, but I would have paid more for it, you know. And, I, you know, and his was the last phone, you know, the mainline phone, not counting the SE, uh, from Apple that had the button on it, you know, and that's what mm -hmm. he was used to. And he liked that interface. So, you know, when he gets a new phone and he and I were talking the other day, he's, he's probably going to be getting a new phone. Um that, you know, he's going to have to switch to Face ID and learn to deal with that. But it's not foreign yeah. to him. I mean, his wife has a, an iPhone XS. I think she got one three or four uh, months after he got his. Yeah. And so she, she got the XS because that was the one that came out at that yep. point. But, uh, you know, it's, it's what he needed. There was, in fact, from his perspective, I think he probably said there's reason not to get the iPhone 10 or wait for the 10s to come out because from his perspective that was a big change in how he used his phone and he didn't want to spend the time trying to figure out how to use the phone he just wanted to pick it up and go and and know yeah. how to use it already you know and he's a teacher so he had just started back to school the last thing he needed was to have a device that he wasn't quite sure how to use you know, as he's trying yeah. to get going for the school year. So, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of reasons behind why oh, he, sure. why that was the right phone for him at that point in time, you know, yeah. but like I said, I, there's in a million years, I wouldn't have done that, but. Well, you, know. you and I are tech oriented. Yeah. We look, we look for technology cliffs, you know, where, yeah. where's, where's the thing. And in fact, you see, even though I have an M1 computer, I didn't buy it until the M2 was out and they dropped the price on the M1s. Right. And uh, all I wanted to do was to step into the new technology, which mm -hmm. was a major step. 
Yeah. Well, and, especially when, when everything came out and everybody said, yeah, the M2 is faster, but it's an incremental. That the M3 sure. is going to be the one that they actually change the die size and there'll be a bigger right. step forward. So now it was like, I, yeah, yep. why get the M2? Pay the now, premium. if I were still into heavy computing and really performance makes a difference, which it doesn't for me now. I mean, I'm yeah. anything but a performance guy. But I would have, you know, I would can seriously consider the M3, you know? Yeah. Because that's a big performance step, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. You know? But, you know, that's just the way life is. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, you, I'm like I, it. would probably be more likely to go get the next uh, iPad Pro that has an M3 in it right. than I would go get a Mac with an M3 right now. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yep. That's... that's that's a step that I'll, I'll take. Yeah. Oh, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I have a computer now that's going to last me for my lifetime. I know that, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, what was the next thing on the next thing up? Oh. Well, it was interesting because, uh, you know, Tesla has been a holdout and saying they're not going to do CarPlay. But apparently there's quite a few Apple shortcuts out there that let you then use the Tesla app to interact with your Tesla um, with shortcuts. And so you can automate a whole lot of functions like locking and unlocking, preconditioning it. So you can have a shortcut on your phone and just say, you know, Precondition the car, which means simply it's 105 out, start the air conditioner. So by the time I get there, my car is cool and comfortable, right? Right. Um, you know, uh, there's a sentry mode that you can enable or disable. And, uh, and that allows you to, um, uh, you know, basically honk and toot at people who get too close to your vehicle. Um, they have a dog mode, which I think is great. If you're traveling somewhere with your family and you stop to... Uh, at, at a supercharger to charge up your car and you want to get something to eat but you're traveling with your pet you can leave your pet in the car and and unlike gas cars it doesn't have to start a motor in order to run the air conditioner it just runs the air conditioner and keeps the car safe for your pet sure. yeah um yeah. you know so one of the advantages of an electric yeah yeah you know and it's those kind of things that are you know not obvious initially but when you start thinking about it that maybe makes sense for people who have pets and need to travel with them because you can't just go walking in anywhere with your pet and say it's my emotional support animal you know <laughs> there's yep. people who there's people who do that and try to do that but um but you know anyhow i just thought it was interesting to see that they've integrated the 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 app is set up to be scriptable through shortcuts and so yeah. You know, even yes. though Tesla is not playing nice with CarPlay, doesn't mean that they're not playing nice with iOS. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So well, un un unless the uh, the Tesla phone ever makes it to the public, uh, it's <laughs> going to be Apple phones. That's what that owners that run Teslas, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, I think the I would bet that there is. Uh, very close to a uh, hundred. Well, I wouldn't say a hundred percent because I know there are some techie people who like Android because you can go in and dink with it and change it around. And so there's a group of techie kind of people who don't want out uh, iPhones. They don't like iOS because they can't really get into the nitty gritty and customize it. And with right. an Android phone, you can. And so, and those kind of people also are the kind of people who would be interested in electric cars. So, yep. so, so it's, uh, I almost said that I, I thought that the iPhone buyer and the Tesla buyer had almost a hundred percent overlap. 
you know, but yep. I, I don't think so. Now that I think about it, I would bet that there's a fair amount of those techie people who, who love Android because they can go and customize it to their heart's content. I uh, used to work with a guy who was an early Apple adopter and liked it, but then switched over to uh, an Android phone because he wanted to be able to go in and, and just, you know, set up whatever he wanted. He was well, Android guy. still has the majority of phones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do outside the United States. Inside the United States, Apple has the majority now. Yeah. Just barely. Yeah. Just recently. Yeah. Well, and that's when they talk about that, they're often talking about new sales. But overall, in in place being used, uh, the Apple phones are 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 the dominant phones in this country. Um, yeah. In fact, especially in certain segments, like uh, high school and college age kids, it, it's over eighty five percent Apple. Yeah. Yep. And thanks. And a, a large part thanks of that to me is, buying all my grandkids uh, Apple <laughs> yeah, devices. Yeah, you helped. Right? You helped, right? The I uh, did it. The um, the uh, part of that is due to their their iMessage app because people start messaging on an on an iPhone and if you're in a group message and you're the only one on Android you'll get the first message but then you won't get any of the responses to the group for whatever reason iMessage does not play nice with oh, SMS right? yeah because the only they communicate via SMS and, and the iPhones all communicate directly with iMessage. And so oh, that's if, you, right. if you're the one kid on your in your group that has the Android phone, you miss a lot of messages, and that's maddening, you know? Oh, yeah. You, you find yeah. out that everybody decided to go somewhere and get together, and you didn't even know about it, and so you didn't show up. And then oh, friends wow. are saying, well, how come you weren't there? And you're like, where? What? I didn't know about yeah. that, you know? And oh, boy. That, that's a pretty strong uh, 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 emotional tug for a kid to say, I want an iPhone. Well, Absolutely. I have a, a, I have a, I can't a, tolerate this. <laughs> yeah. I have Talk some family members who have iPhones. <laughs> I have some family members who have uh, Android phones, and one of their daughters went to them, I think her junior or senior year, when it was time to get a new phone, and she goes, I don't want an Android. I want an iPhone. <laughs> this is just like, I just don't, don't even want to deal with that anymore. So, yep. so she even tolerated a smaller screen. And she got an iPhone SE. She got a smaller screen and the old button phone. But at least it was an iPhone. Yep. So, although that was quite a few years ago, I think she's probably due for another phone. I don't know if she's going to stay with the iPhone now because now in college there's less of a less of a tug than there was when she was in high school. We'll see. Yeah. So, but she could also get an iPhone that you know one of the more modern iPhones, and that would solve the problem too. She'd get a bigger screen and less. Uh, um. You know the the no buttons, less less border and stuff around it. So uh, yeah, I don't even know what an Android looks like anymore. So looks just like <laughs> an iPhone. The only, honestly, the quickest way to tell them apart at at a distance for me is um, is the camera configuration in the back. Most of the Android phones they're in a line either horizontally or vertically. Um, and then the Apple phones, if the screen's on, you can see the Apple phone has the notch. Whereas most of the uh, Android phones just have a cutout, a little circle for the camera, and that's it. Yeah. So, um, you know, but then like the newer iPhones, instead of having the notch, have the little pill for the, you know, the whatever they call right. it, the smart bubble or whatever. Mm -hmm. they, I can't remember the term for it, but on the iPhone. Yeah. So Apple Pay to support U.S. National Park Foundation this week. So, you know, 
they, they talk about this, and it's like, hey, great. Every purchase made in the U.S. on Apple Pay or AppleCom uh, up to a maximum of a million dollars is going to make a donation to the U.S. Uh, Park Foundation, which is cool. I like to see them doing that. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not going to run out and start doing more things with Apple Pay in order to, you know, get some money donated. But I suspect that there's enough people out there that uh, that um, they're going to hit their million dollars and give a million dollars to U.S. Parks. Well, you know, when we were uh, full-time RV and we had an RV uh, entree to that uh, mm -hmm. where we got uh, special treatment. I forgot what it was now, but we got a card from the National Park Foundation for little to nothing, and it gave us access to lots of things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they, they knew that all the RVers were out there on the road, and so, hey, well, come see my park, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they make it enticing to come see the parks. And, they're you know, they're set aside for a reason. That's beautiful, beautiful places, you know, some amazing, yeah. some amazing natural sights and wonders I, I love visiting the national parks oh uh, yeah a long time ago bought one of the national park passports so you can go when you go visit you can go into the ranger station or the the store usually and and stamp it to say i visited this park but i just get so mad at myself because i i forget it 90 percent of the time I, I i half the places i've been to i don't have stamps for because i forget the dumb passport uh, yeah. Well, one of the parks that we I remember we went to shortly after we got that was Acadia National Park up mm -hmm. in the Northeast. Now I had been to most of the ones in the Southwest, but uh, mm -hmm. you know then we so we we went up there and that was that was really nice and different too. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've never been to a national park where I walked away disappointed. You know, yep. I have enjoyed every one of them thoroughly. I've got to say one of my favorites, at least on the West Coast, and there's beautiful ones. I mean, let's let's face it. Sequoia is gorgeous. Yosemite is amazing. There's some beautiful parks out uh, in this end of the country, um, as as there are in other places. But I really liked um, uh, Coastal Redwoods National Park, which is up uh, north of Eureka in California. So it's northern California. It's the, the giant coastal redwoods. So they're not as big around as the sequoias, but they, I think, grow a little taller. Um, and for those who don't know or those who, who uh, remember watching the original three Star Wars movies, the third one where the little um, teddy bear creatures lived, the planet was all filmed in, national, in, in Red, Coastal Redwoods National Park. So huh. these giant trees with lots of ferns and stuff growing underneath them. And it's, uh, you know, right along the, the, the coast there. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, your mom and I went to uh, Muir, M-U-I-R. Yeah, just named after John of, Muir. Yeah, John Muir. That was a very nice one. Mm -hmm. And it was close in, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, in fact, well, and one of my favorites, the one I probably visited the most is the Grand Canyon. Oh, um, yeah. And that, you know, because here in Southern California, it's a day's drive, a long day. And, uh, you know, my wife being a teacher, we, uh, I just wanted to give her a break and get her out of the house right as school let out. And so back in June, we, uh, we did like a three-day trip and we went up and spent a night at the Grand Canyon and a night in Flagstaff. And Walnut Canyon east of Flagstaff is beautiful. That's... Yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, it's a smaller canyon, but they've got a lot of um, uh, cliff dwellings that you can walk, not through the dwellings, but right next to and, you know, and, and walk around. It's about a mile hike down yeah. and around the kind of well, the canyon. That's walls. why mom and I spent an entire summer in Flagstaff and you right. and 
lots of other. That was the summer mm-hmm. that we didn't go see other people. They finally got to come see us. Yeah. So we said, let's just park where people want to go. And <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was up. close enough that all of the families, your, all of your kids that lived in Southern California could get over there easily and, uh, and come see you. And Flagstaff is a beautiful place to visit. Uh, in the summer, especially if you live in Southern California, it's oh, hot. Yeah. So you get up at altitude there, and it's usually much more comfortable and, you know, pine trees and beautiful. Um, and then in the winter, it gets very snowy. And, you know, if you like snow and skiing and stuff, then I'm sure it's a great place to visit there, too. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, for our perspective, we could go to Big Bear, which is, you know, an hour drive instead of, a, you know, driving all yeah. the way to Flagstaff in the winter. But... Uh, but going up, you know, Flagstaff is, what, a, an hour and a half from the Grand Canyon. There's Walnut Canyon east of the town. They've got, yep. you know, ancient lava flows kind of northwest of the town or northeast the of the town. Uh, yeah, we went to um, uh, the this Sunset last time. Sunset Crater? We went to Sunset Crater this last time. Now, we had been to Meteor Crater, which is not a national park. It's privately owned out way east of town. But that's real interesting, too, because that's, they... That's, that's about a mile across. Yeah, exactly. That's a huge crater that was caused by a meteor. But Sunset Crater is basically volcanoes. All the mountains around Flagstaff are basically uh, extinct it's, volcanoes. Uh, and so they're, they're cinder, okay. cinder piles. I thought you might so, have it. You really need to talk to her about when you're in there recording that she just needs to wait. <laughs> she, brought, she brought me my lunch in a cup. <laughs> so... Um, but anyway, yeah, for anybody who's ever out this way, the Flagstaff area has got lots of national parks around it. It's a beautiful area. You should go see it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed growing up and having a family and doing things out there because there was yeah. so much, so much stuff, yeah. but I probably won't make it again. That's, that's more travel than I can handle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is too, it's like this time when we were visiting, we were literally in Grand Canyon for like, I mean, we stayed on, uh, we showed up in the, in the midday, uh, and we were there and we, and we left before midday the next day and moved on to the next place because we've been there multiple times before. So it was like, you know, you've seen it, it's beautiful to look at again, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. have had anything. I, I would have gotten bored if I'd have stayed there for three or four days. Cause they're just, you know, I'd already, you know, I mean, you can yep. go on, it's a great place to go for walks and hikes and things like that. But it was like, okay, I've seen this, I've done that, you know, but it was nice to go back and see it again briefly. Uh, but we, we very intentionally kept moving. So we, you know, we, we had one day at the Canyon, one day in Flagstaff, uh, we went down and, uh, and saw, um, Sedona and then we started heading back. So it was sort of, you know, we didn't stay yeah. anywhere long enough to go. Okay, I'm tired of this. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I was thinking of those kinds of places also this weekend when on uh, the Sunday show they had basically uh, uh, sh- featured New York City, uh, and uh-huh. uh, they were well, maybe it wasn't the Sunday show, but anyway, there were there was this beautiful billionaire's apartment. That's where they started out, where mm-hmm. you can look down and see Central Park and most of the city. Yeah, and that was just one direction. It had lots of windows, and you're uh, you have a six or seven story uh, unit, but you don't have steps. It's just elevators that could keep on connecting, so you right. still didn't even have to climb stairs because that just took space away. And 
it was an absolutely gorgeous place. And they kind of contrasted with how billionaires originally lived there in New York and showed mm-hmm. some early day uh, uh, places that are just phenomenal. But they were maybe mm-hmm. uh, three stories max, but they yeah. were all These much big, lower. Big, they weren't big mansions like like uh, like the Vanderbilts would have lived in at the turn of the you know twentieth yeah, century. Yeah, they had a right? nice view of the river and uh, stuff like that. You know, from mm-hmm. where they were. So it's a it was an interesting show yeah. because it showed how architecture has kind of moved along and what yeah. people find attractive. Yeah. But well, you all also the time look they at were it, showing it's, me it's, the canyons it's... of New York. I was thinking about the real canyons of the Rockies. You know. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Well, and they're contrasting the, you know, not only the difference between nature and, and the city, but also, you know, a hundred years, right? Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of those early mansions and stuff are a hundred years old or more. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, they were there as the 19th century was rolling into the 20th. And here we are, you know, yep. a quarter of a decade into the 21st century. So well, what I thought was interesting is the family they were interviewing, they had eight kids when they moved into eight. the place. And so they were dead. All the kids had left home by this. Now, now the, the house was for sale again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, we don't need all this space. You know, there's, there's yeah. two of us here. Yeah. 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 So, been there, I've been there and done that, but not with near the space that they were talking about. You yeah. Know, our house was pretty big. For, for two people, so yeah. when we finally moved out of it into a motorhome, it was pretty big transition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're downsizing from you know, three thousand yeah. square feet into you know, triple digits from quadruple digits. You know, and they're talking five digit square space. So yeah, it was yeah. it was just ridiculous, really. Yeah. But anyway, so there's an article here talking about what we think we know about the Apple Watch 10 but realize that the Apple Watch 9 is what's going to be introduced here in a few weeks. Uh, and by all accounts, the Apple Watch 9 is going to be yet another incremental change in the Apple Watch. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think from since the uh, Apple Watch 4, when they went to the, f- the first of the, the bigger screened Apple Watches, and I know they moved it slightly larger, I think, with number 7, uh, or was it 6? I don't remember exactly, but... Uh, but, you know, once they went to the slightly bigger screens, there really hasn't been major changes. I mean, they've added a couple sensors here and there. You know, there's a, uh, a pulse oximeter, and I think in the last one they added a temperature sensor, but it wasn't like the temperature sensor was basically to just use while you were sleeping if you're trying to find out your, you know, if you're ovulating, that kind of thing. So, I mean, you know, it's just it's been incremental. And it's the, the basic functionality of a watch isn't going to change much. So it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, really rethink how we use the watch, much like they did with the iPhone 10, right? The iPhone 10, they completely rethought how the smartphone was going to work and had a major change as to how we interface with it. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure what they could do with the watch. But I really haven't given a lot of thought. I'm sure they have. They've got people who do nothing but think about that. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a difficult problem. In fact, I look at the watches not being, uh, uh, you know, all that useful uh, mm-hmm. compared to a regular watch. I, you know, I've had an Apple Watch for a long time, but I don't ever yeah. intend to upgrade it. Uh, yeah. In fact, I've thought about going back to my old manual one, except for the fact that uh, on occasion, if I'm if I'm out, I can take a phone, you know, or don't have my phone, I can. Right. You know, talk on it. Yeah, and and that's the thing too. I I have bought the watch that has the cellular capability in it, so I can, 
you know, use it as a replacement for my phone if I don't bring or I forget to bring my phone. But to be honest, in the last, I think we talked about this last week, the last two or three weeks, I've been wearing, I've got an assortment of, you know, nicer mechanical and, and electric watches that I've been wearing that are not smart watches. And it's just fun to kind of wear something different for a change. So I'm, I've been changing and wearing different watches and have, I've worn my Apple watch once. One day I picked it, but other days I picked other things. And mm -hmm. uh, so there's not a huge motivation for me to, to make a change there. We'll see what they come up with. You know, with the nine in a couple of weeks, and then the ten. One of the things that they're saying with the ten is, is that they're going to maybe make the the watch a little thinner, and that they're going to go to flat edges like the phones, as opposed to the the curved edges. And uh, uh, there's been a rumor that the, they're going to change the way the watch bands attach to the watch, which means anybody who's spent a lot of money on watch bands is going to be bummed because the old bands won't work with the new watches, of course. Well, I was wondering if that did, wasn't uh, for a, a, a functional purpose and that they want to make something they, maybe that has a better electrical connection so that you can put more functionality over in the band. Yeah, and that's very possible. That might be where they're going with it. I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, I, I we've got a year be, before we'll find out, right? Yeah, I, I would just think that that, would, that offers some opportunities that you just mm -hmm. don't have with if you're going to do everything within the watch. Yeah, yeah, make it, make it, uh, make smart bands that go with your smart watches, which honestly makes sense as a way to, you know, increase capability and the, um, increase the area of, of your skin that you can have contact with for sensors. Right. You know, yep. so even if they're not doing, uh, you know, maybe they won't be offloading batteries into the band, but they could put sensors in some of the bands that maybe could provide you with additional information or more accurate information, you know, yeah. um, uh, especially if they're thinking about going towards, and I know that one of the holy grails of smartwatches is the ability to measure blood sugar uh, without, you know, piercing the skin. And that's something that diabetics would, would very much like. So maybe yep. that's something that's coming down the road if they change the band thing. One of the things they're talking about changing, though, is uh, going uh, using the watches as the first device that Apple uses the micro LEDs in. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense to me, regardless of all the other stuff. That, that alone is something that they, I think, would do. You know, Apple, the first OLED screens that Apple sold were on watches. And they did a test run selling, you know, OLED screens on watches before they tried them on phones and, and on uh, other devices. And so... Um, you know, I think Apple is really good at testing and, and testing the uh, manufacturing capability and the, and the quality control on lower volume things before they then move it to high volume things like the, like the, uh, iPhone. Um, yep. yeah. that, that said the watch market, they, they've so dominated the watch market that I'm not sure that that's really what you could even call low volume. It's lower volume, but, uh. But they've sold so many dang watches. That's there's quite a few, you know. That's a high volume. Uh, as as somebody said, you know, if that was a standalone business, it would be a you know billion dollar business. In uh, but for Apple, it's you know it's peanuts yeah. compared to the to the to the phones. I, I would like to see some data curves on some of these things. You know, just how well that watch continues to grow. Yeah. Because the question is, who are the new buyers? If you have an earlier version of the watch, and what what's yeah. the, upgrade rate uh, i suspect it's pretty low unless you just happen to find a, mm. a certain group of people looking for the new yeah. 
feature that you add each year. Right. But uh, it's it's been so incremental and small that I've kind of almost ignore it, you know. But on our tenth anniversary, they're going to try to make something. Something exciting, new and you know? different, exciting, yeah, to get people back. You know, I would bet that there's there's a there's always a group of people who say it doesn't matter whatever when the new one comes out, I'm just getting the new one, right? And so there's yeah. always those oh, yeah. people. And then I think there's a fair number of people who, at least early on in the first couple years of the watch, were upgrading pr- upgrading pretty regularly because there was improvements in you know battery life and 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 the new sensors were sort of a bigger deal. But after a point in time, it's like, okay, so now you have a sensor that monitors, you know, my galvanic skin response. Well, I don't really need to know that on a day-to-day basis. So I don't see why I should buy this particular watch, you know. Um, and and so early on, I think there was more motivation to upgrade more regularly. But as time's gone by, I think that's really dropped off a lot. But, yeah. well, you know. Well, the thing that attracts me most in this article was the mention of a slimmer casing. Yeah. Yeah, they are kind of a... a nasty little ward on your wrist they've never been thin yep. you know and well in uh, fact i i think it's uncomfortably bulky yeah yeah well you know that th- that's been a design feature uh, for a lot of men's watches for a long time and it's not one you know you and i've talked about it. it's not one that i particularly like i actually prefer a a you know a smaller or a thinner watch you know i don't mind it being a, a larger watch i don't mind the screen being you know, bigger size like that, but, uh, right. but yeah, being thick and this, this is true of, of, you know, whether it be a, a, um, you know, non-smart watch or a smart watch, I, I'm not a super big fan of the really big bulky ones. That said, I don't have one because they're too expensive, but I've always wanted a, um, a, uh, Omega, uh, Speedmaster watch. And, you know, it's, it's a sort of a classic, uh, chronograph watch but it's it's a large bulky watch there's just no way around Mm it um you know it was the official watch that nasa used with the astronauts when they went to the moon and yeah uh uh, they uh the fine folks at omega did a uh their their parent company is the is is swatch group and they did a deal with swatch where they made because uh, the Omega uh, Speedmasters, uh, their their most famous model is referred to as the Moonwatch, and they did a deal where they 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 did a uh, a moon swatch, and it's a uh, a resin plastic case that looks like the Moonwatch, and it's sold mm. through Omega, and they've got those out, and uh, once they announce those, they're only sold in um, in swatch stores. And only a few of them on this coast. There's one in Las Vegas, and there's one in San Francisco. And uh, this year, my daughter and I have a similar birthday. The one that's in San Francisco, they're they're a couple weeks apart. And so I flew up and spent the weekend with her, and uh, to celebrate our birthdays and Father's Day. And we went to the Swatch store there, and they and she had gone several times before, and they were never in stock. They actually had them in stock, so I bought one of the Moon Swatches uh, this year when I was up mm-hmm. there. And so I, that's part of the reason I've been wearing mechanical or, or you know non-smart watches is because I I, I wore the Moon Swatch uh, pretty regularly for the first you know week or two after I got it, uh, and now I've been kind of cycling through all of my watches. Um, yep, but. You know, I, I, it's funny because it's kind of bulky, but the very fact that the Moon Swatch is made out of a resin 
you know, plastic resin case as opposed mm-hmm. to a steel case like the, the actual moon watch is, um, it's much, much, much lighter. So I suspect that I'm enjoying wearing that more than I would actually enjoy wearing and a real, um, you know, Speedmaster because that's it's a chunky metal watch, whereas this <laughs> one is pretty light and so it's very comfortable to wear. So, yeah, yeah. Because so, that's that to me that's almost more important than how bulky <clears throat> it is is how heavy it is, you know. And for that reason, I have never bought one of the Apple watches made out of stainless steel. I always buy the aluminum ones because they're lighter. Yeah, I don't, I don't care that they're cheaper. The guts are the same anyway. I just want something that's not going to feel so clunky on my wrist. Um, yeah, you know, and so so I've never had one of the stainless steel ones. Well, um, I didn't particularly like the looks of the stainless steel ones either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, an aluminum one, but it's it's, it's this blue that kind of has a metallic right. look. Right. Yeah. Well, and the aluminum ones always have sort of a. Um, a uh, non-glossy finish to them, whereas the chrome ones were always high polish, right? You know, uh, or not chrome, yeah. but the the stainless steel ones. Regardless of what color they were, they were yeah. really high sheen. Uh, right. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't want something that's shiny, you know, or that shiny anyway on my wrist. Yeah. I prefer the 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 flat finish on them. So. So, um, so we'll find out here probably uh, in three weeks. Uh, about the Apple M3 chip, but uh, right now there, there's been some um, uh, online testing, and from that online testing, we're able to gather some things about, like, uh, how many cores it has and, you know, at least some fairly good guesses. And they're thinking that the basic M3 compared to the M2 is going to have the same number of CPU and GPU cores, so any performance improvements are going to be from shrinking the die right uh, but that that possibly as we move up to the m3 pro and max and ultra that they're actually going to have higher cpu and gpu counts and so as a result we'll not only see speed increases from the die but also the fact that they can spread the workload across more cpus and gpus so we'll see what happens with that but uh, i would I would think, though, the shrinkage of the die size, it would be really uh, tempting to make a bigger die. I mean, just while you're out there producing it, they probably at least have some test articles in in there with it that they may clip out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because they're going from a five nanometer to a three nanometer. But that doesn't mean that they're seeing that 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 means that, you know, it's 40 percent smaller, you know. We're, I mean, the, the, the measurement is right. a measurement of space between conductors on the silicone, but right. it doesn't mean that that's, you know, yeah. there's lots of different ways to measure that. And there's lots of different lines on the silicone as to where it is. So that, you know, that could be, you know, three nanometer in certain areas and still be five or even more nanometers in a different area based on, you know, how the the strength of the signal and, and crosstalk between between signals going across the chip because when you start getting things that small well yeah you know that you've got to really worry about how you know adjacent uh uh conductors can affect each other so which they've yep. talked about in the past in fact they've said i've read somewhere that that's been you know a security issue with certain chips as they get things so close that you know the adjacent uh pieces of the chip can tell what the signal is going through 
on a different part of the chip just because there's a lot of crosstalk. Is this uh, breakdown of the uh, differences between the M2 and M3 an official thing? No, this is somebody that's something put together by people who were watching uh, online and seeing the M3 chips being tested. Uh, you know, some of the companies that do like the different uh, benchmarks and stuff. Uh, you know, clearly, somebody at Apple has been running benchmarks, and those benchmarks are, you know, recorded and lo they log every everything that gets tested and they you know so so m3 chips have been reporting being tested out there in the wild yeah so but this is not like apple announcing anything yet they'll do that at their at their show you know which again right now they're saying i think mark german has said that it's going to be on the 12th so you know we're three weeks out yep We'll probably know the actual date next week because usually Apple gives people in the in the uh, tech you know industry the journalists about two weeks' notice so that they can book flights to come out and and be there you know and even though the the show is mostly recorded, a lot of tech journalists still want to fly out there because they'll get a hands on after the after watching the movie you know they'll get an opportunity to go yeah. put their hands on and play with all the new toys yeah, and get, see what, see what they are. Get into that lab and see what it's, what's real. Yeah. Yeah. Put your hands on it, see how it feels and what, what, uh, what you think about it. So, you know, and it'd be interesting to see too. Uh, um, one of my biggest complaints about the more modern phones is that they've gotten really heavy. You know, I, mm -hmm. uh, I still have a, a, an original iPhone, an iPhone three, an iPhone four, an iPhone five and an iPhone six sitting got this. You got a museum. I do. I kept them, but you know, mostly it's it's just it. They're 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 there as decorations. Like they don't even run operating systems that are viable anymore. But the um, but it is interesting to go pick them up and put them in your hands every once in a while. And uh, and let me tell you, the new phones are a lot heavier. I mean, you can read about it. You know, you can go look at the specs and see. But when you have them actually in your hands, you're like, this thing's a chunk. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, the fact, or not the fact, but the rumor that the iPhone 15 is going to go away, or the Pro is going to go away from uh, stainless steel and to titanium, I think, is a uh, is a good thing because that's going to be significantly lighter. So we'll see how much, but if and if that's true, yeah, you know, well. It's probably uh, down the road somewhere, but you know, mm -hmm. it, it's it, even though it's more expensive, sooner or later they can write it off. I mean, it all, all has to do with what's marketable. You know, you can go right. to something if if it adds the appeal. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, and uh, Apple has sold them, and lots of other manufacturers have sold titanium watches for a long time. Um, I've got a titanium Seiko. Uh, watch that uh is it's an interesting uh material because it's lighter and it's one of those like when you put it on you know most metal is cool when you put it on titanium uh uh switches to the temperature of my skin very fast it's uh yeah. it's it's a really good conductor of heat and so it's uh you know interesting to see how it feels different than other stuff so speaking of how yeah, things I'm feel and um, and then when you think about the fact that they build airplanes, yeah, these high performance fighters are 
titanium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even the B1 bomber had some titanium. I don't know how much. Yeah. But that's lots of lots of metal. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's out there. Although I, it's my understanding that a lot of the more modern planes are switching even from titanium to to composites. I mean, a lot of them are are um, essentially some kind of a composite ceramic. You know. Um, yeah. That has that has a lot to do with the stealthiness of stuff, but also uh, lightness and and you know you can um, manufacture different criteria as far as like strength and brittleness and things like that. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, I'll have to uh, admit that my uh, uh, references to airplanes is a bit dated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's but been titanium, a long time since I dealt with them. But titanium but, has been used in airplanes for quite a while for that very reason, is that it's light and strong. Yeah. So. Well, that's the, you know, one of the other big features is that it's got a lot of uh, other mechanical uh, characteristics that are uh-huh. certainly beneficial to aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, it has some similarities to aluminum, but it's, it's uh, stronger and has a much higher melting point than aluminum. So, because uh, aluminum was used in a lot of things as well. Um you know, and there's lots of, we say titanium and aluminum as if they were a single thing, and they can be, but they're never used in their, like, pure state. They're always, um, you know, amalgams of, of different metals. Oh, yeah. Metallurgy yeah. is a big, big yeah. science these days. Sure. And so, you know, and it's something that neither of us have any expertise in whatsoever, but at least acknowledge that, that you know, it's uh, more complex than just titanium or just aluminum. There's always a... This is, that's why the Russians love to find a, uh, some of our missiles and, and various uh, weaponry uh, yeah. they, to analyze and find out what we're using. Yeah, well, you say the Russians, the Russians, the Chinese, the... Well, yeah, you know, all the... <laughs> there's, there's a whole line of people wanting to know how we do and what, and what we use and, and how we put it together in lots of different areas. So, um, Speaking of materials... Apparently, and this is funny, I laughed when I read it, uh, your Apple, the title is Your Apple Watch Band Could Carry Shocking Levels of Bacteria. And I'm like, well, that's kind of every watch band. I mean, because I've, you know, I, I don't know about you, but every watch I've ever had in my life, when I take it off at the end of the day, is usually damp. Well, as long as you don't lick your your uh, wrist every once in a while, you're probably yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they they they're up against your body, and they're going to get body oils and body sweat and stuff on your watch bands all the time. And so, yeah, you know, it's probably not a bad idea to change out watch bands every once in a while. You don't wear them forever, and yeah. uh, you know, if there's a, a means to clean them, then you probably should do that as well. Although my guess is most people never wash their wash bands. Uh, well, these some day- people may go swimming with them. I mean, sure. the watches are are yeah. resistant to down to what three feet or six feet. Oh, under- more than that, even yeah. And so, um, yeah, yeah, swimming with them makes a lot of sense. You know, unless it's a leather band, which in, in which case it's. Uh, then it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it doesn't take too well to it. But, you know, there's a lot of these uh, Velcro and silicone watch bands now that are basically just plastic, and those, uh, you know, wash up just fine. Um, you know, it's interesting, too. You know, I was wa- I read an article the other day saying that with the iPhone 15, Apple may not offer a leather 
case for it. And the leather case has always been my preferred case because it has just the right amount of tackiness and yet feels good in your hand. And so the the watch, the, the, the phone is not slippery and, and yet it still feels nice and, and luxurious in your hand. But apparently they've decided that they want to do something that's, you know, a greener method. So they'll have a different high-end uh, or phone case, but it won't will no longer be made out of leather. So we'll see what they actually come up with or if that turns out to be true or not when they yeah. announce the new phones. Uh, but I was a little saddened because it's like, well, whatever they get, I mean, I hope it'll, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be nice, but it may not be what I like. I actually really like the leather case. I don't like the the silicone at all. I don't like the feel of the rubber silicone cases on, on the phone. So. Well, the thing that became evident about the leather case is that your, your uh, oils, uh, skin oils, mm -hmm. soon uh, start to discolor it. Oh and, yeah, uh, and and it's laminated on top of whatever the underlying material is that right. holds the shape, and so that also just will wear off, you right. know. So yeah, I mean, I get it. They're not, you know, they don't last forever. And yes, you're right. Just like just like wristbands, they can start to look pretty disgusting when you, all your body oils and stuff. Yeah, so that's why I didn't. I had the leather case on my previous phone, but I have I have my new M3 or. Well, you've got an iPhone 13, right? 13, mini. I mean. You got the mini. Thir yeah, uh, and I decided just not to get a case on this one. Although I do feel a little bit uncomfortable handling it, just because it's slick enough that I can mm -hmm. easily drop it. And just the other day, again, I, I've I've knocked it off of my uh, uh, table, and it slides down between my cushion, and I said, "Oops, my phone disappeared. I'll bet it's on the floor." So mom called it, and then sure enough, I could see the lights blinking down there. Yeah. So did, <laughs> dig through your couch to get it out. Yeah. yeah actually, yeah. I didn't have to. It was clear down to the floor. Oh, so down there. just reach underneath and get it. I went around back and pushed my fingers under there and grabbed it. Yep. So. Yeah. You know, I've thought about that. I, For the most part, I have used um, cases through the years. Um, and I have a f case on my phone right now, but I haven't, um, um, there has been time periods where I put no case on it. Uh, yep. I've never been one to put like the screen protectors on it, but one time I was, uh, I think I've told the story before one time my daughter wanted a screen protector on hers and she had read that Apple bought out this company that sold a device that made, you know, alignment of the screen protector perfect. And so we actually mm -hmm. went in the Apple store, and sure enough, they whipped it out, and they had this little device that would put the screen protector on there and perfectly align it and, you know, so, and put it down so that there'd be no bubbles, air bubbles or anything under it. And so she did that. And so while we were there, I said, yeah, shoot, let's put it on mine. The following weekend, I think this was like on a Thursday. So the following weekend, I'm at a swim meet. I'm sitting in a grassy area, and I sit in a chair, and my phone slides out of my pocket and drops into the grass. I reach down to pick it up, and lo and behold, in the grass is a rock, and my screen lands on the rock. The screen protector shatters. The screen underneath is fine. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I, so I take off the screen protector, and it did exactly what it was supposed to. It protected the screen. The screen is fine. Not a problem. It's the only time I've ever had a screen protector. It's the only time I've ever needed a screen protector. I have never broken a screen on an iPhone in any way. That was just amazing. It was perfect timing. It was, you know, part of me was like, well, that was stupid. Why did I spend the money on that thing? And it was like, well, that's why. The one time I needed it, I had it. Now I don't need it anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I've never it's bought one. Lesson, huh? Yeah, and I've never bought a screen protector since and haven't needed it so far. You know? So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So well, here's a oh go ahead. We, we lose our stuff down cracks beside seats more than anything. And yeah. especially your mother in the car has dropped things down the crack there between the console and the seats. Yeah. What a pain in the butt it is to get stuff out, especially this Ford we're renting right now. Yeah. You would think that the car manufacturers and would figure that out, and I don't know what it is, but it's cer certain uh, pants that I'm wearing or shorts that I'm wearing, uh, every time I sit down, they just empty themselves out. And it's like, what's the point of having a pocket? You know, what's the point of a pocket if everything in it dumps out every time I sit down? Yeah. You know? I mean, the people who design clothes should know better. <laughs> it's just, yep. it's, in fact, literally, I threw away a perfectly good pair of pants once because that was every time I sat down, it dumped everything out. They were that bad, you know, and it was like, OK, this is just I can't keep this. You know, I, every yep. time I stood up, I'd have to look behind me, you know, on the couch or the, in the car was the worst, you know, because then it's really hard to go digging around underneath it or in between. Like you said, the, the seat and the console is the hardest place to get stuff out. Um, <laughs> it's like, man. Couldn't people, this just seems like a design problem begging for somebody to fix it. Why is this so dang hard? You know, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. So apparently Apple has put in a, a, a recently done a, a, a patent that uh, indicates that maybe at some point they're going to put face ID on their laptops. Um this seems to me like something that's just been long overdue. I don't understand. The only explanation I've ever had about why this hasn't happened is that the lid on a laptop is very, very thin. And in order for them to put the pieces in there to do face ID, they needed to be a little thicker, thick, you know, like, like the thickness of a phone. Um, yeah. And the phone is thicker than the lid on Apple Mac laptops. Um, right. But yeah, I'm sure that's the reason. But, you know, that... They, they already have a cutout on the front of the computer where you can then stick your thumb in the little cutout to lift up the lid. So why not make that cutout the size of the assembly for the Face ID camera? And then just, you know, I mean, it, we've got a notch up at the top of the camera anyway. Not Why not make it a hump as well? Obviously, Apple's not afraid of humps. They've got the giant humps on the back of every phone they sell. So, you know... I think it's handy and that they should do it, but we'll see. And certainly on something like the iMac, they should do it, you know, because the iMac's every bit as thick as the iPhone. Yeah. Why? There's absolutely no reason why the iMac shouldn't have face. And it'd be one more selling point for the iMac, right? It's like, well, we put it in there first because we've got room for yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. When they redesigned the, the iMac most recently, I think it's two years ago now, you know, it, it essentially looks like an iPad on a stand. You know, it's bigger, but it looks like an iPad on a stand. So it's, you yep. know, it's about, you know, a little less than a quarter inch thick across the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a beautiful looking computer. If you want an all-in-one or you're in one of those places where, you know, you just don't want a bunch of stuff and cables and wires on your desk, it's a fantastic computer. Um, why they didn't put Face ID on that one is beyond me. So we'll see. Speaking of the iMac, happy birthday, iMac. Uh, we missed it last week, but August 15th, 1998, 25 years ago, the iMac was first introduced. It's 25 years old. And that was the, the computer that kind of 
pulled the fine folks at Apple out of the. I, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty ugly. Yeah, well, you know, in the world of of 1998, it was unlike any other computer that was being sold. Because yep. it was a an all-in-one computer, and it had that translucent plastic, so you could sort of see the guts inside. Uh, yep. And originally, it was only available in Bondi blue, which kind of is a turquoisey blue color. Yep. Um, and uh, and you know, and it was it was. I mean, it, at that time, a computer meant a beige box with wires attached to a monitor, and it wasn't a uh, an LCD monitor; it was a tube big tube TV type thing, and yeah. then wires running to a mouse and wires running to a keyboard. Well, and uh, this is a tube-type display, too. It's a tube-type display, for sure, but it's all in one. The computer and the, and the screen fit in one box, so you right. don't have this big beige box sitting next to it, which every Mac and every PC in the world at that point in time had either a beige or a gray box sitting next to a, a monitor. So this was right. this this changed that in that respect. The only computer that had not done that before was the original Mac, where they put the Mac in the box with the computer. So mm -hmm. it made sense for the people who built the original Mac to kind of restart that idea. And I uh, I've since read that you know that the, one of the things that Steve Jobs insisted on in the design was a handle on top. Now the thing weighed 68 pounds with the big tube and everything in there for the screen, but that gave you a way to pick it up and move it from one desk to another if you wanted to. You know, yeah. there was a handle. Well, you still had cords and stuff to deal with. Yeah, and you still had a, and your mouse and your keyboard were still wired, and obviously you had to plug it into the wall. There was a famous uh, Jeff Goldblum commercial at the time, and he said, uh, and it was it was cute because what it was was step one, plug it into the wall. Step <laughs> two, turn it on. And then he kind of looked at the screen and went, there's no step three. There's no step three. You know? <laughs> it was like that was that simple, right? Uh, well, in fact, I think what it was is you plug it in the wall, you plug it into the Internet. And so because it had a modem and it had a, a, a an Ethernet connector built into it. And so that was the two steps. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, I guess step three could have been plug in your mouse and step four could have been plug in your keyboard. And, you know, you had to do those things. But uh it was also renowned for being um, the first time Apple had, like, rethought a mouse in a long time. And it was a perfectly round hockey puck mouse that was universally hated. I mean, yeah. everybody hated that. But the other thing that this, this computer did, which was pretty amazing at the time, talk about Apple sort of leading the pack. At the time, Apple, all Apple com uh, computers attached to external storage via SCSI, which was a big, thick cable with lots of pins in it. And yep. if you wanted to attach your mouse or your keyboard, they had their own proprietary Apple desktop bus, an ADB connection, which was a little round connector. Uh, and this computer dropped all of that in favor of USB. It was the first computer sold in America that was all USB. And, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was the first USB computer, and it also dropped... Floppy disks. If you wanted a floppy disk on an iMac, you had to buy it as a separate device and plug it in via USB. It only had a DVD player on it. Hmm. And it was supposed to have the slot. So all it had was a slot in the front. And you stick the DVD in the slot or the CD in the slot. Uh, this is pre-DVD, so it was just CDs. 
Uh, and apparently the slot loading CD players weren't available when they started manufacturing these. So the very first year is the only year that the iMac had a tray that slid out and you put the CD in it and then closed the tray, which is the way um, all the Mac CD players worked or all the PC versions of CD players worked. But then the second year, they then went to the slot load. So there was no longer a tray that opened. It was just a slot. You'd stick it in, and it would suck it in, and you'd you know uh, hit the eject button or say eject on the keyboard, and it would yep. come sliding out, which was something that was distinctly different with Macs from PCs for a lot of years. Yeah, there were a lot of comical little uh, cartoon things in the magazines in those days about people setting their cups on the tray and, and yeah, you know, different different yeah. uses for the tray <laughs> yeah 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 there were a lot of jokes about that but you couldn't do that on an apple because apple just had a slot so <laughs> at least after this first one but you know it was i mean the idea of putting it making it a different color making it a shape other than a box going to usb no longer supporting floppy disks i mean this was it was you know there was no guarantee this thing was going to be successful and they made some pretty um forward-thinking choices in a device that basically they were sort of betting the company on. Um, and it turned out to be phenomenal. You know, that was basically the, the, the success of the sales of that computer provided them with enough funding and security to then come out with the iPod, right? Which then led to the iPhone. I mean, you know, this is really sort of the root of what was the, or this, this product was the root of what became the, the Apple we know today. Well, you said iPad, but they called it something else. I, iPod is what I said. The original oh, iPod. iPod was what the, the device, the, the yeah. success of this computer allowed them to have the money to then develop and create the iPod, which was a okay. huge success. Oh, and yeah. everybody would still talk about that as a huge success if it wasn't completely overshadowed by the success of the iPhone, which came later. Yeah. But, but, you know, for those of us who lived through it, the iPod was... was phenomenally successful i mean they took what what was sort of a a hobbyist thing to tinker around with and uh, of of having electronic music and turned it into um a real uh oh kids you know, loved them a real product well everybody loved them you yeah. know i mean you went and bought one of those creative labs mp3 players before yep. the ipods were available and you know it was it, it kind of worked. It sort of, you know, I mean, it, it, it did okay. It got the music there. It sounded good. Um, but it wasn't until Apple created the iPod and then bought what, what became iTunes and, and integrated those two so there was a good way to get music to and from the device right. that, uh, that anybody cared, you know? Yep. Yeah, without the... Uh... The way to get music in and out. That, I forgot how. There was some kind of a connection to a PC back then with my device, but that was the only thing. You just was it USB? Um, I don't remember. Well, the original iPods were FireWire, which was only available on Max uh, for the most part. There were a few PCs that had it, um, but you had to have that. And then they eventually went to USB so that. Uh, Everybody could do it. I remember my first iPod I didn't buy until they went to USB because I was running iTunes, but I was running iTunes on a PC. And I remember spending the better part of, I think, two weekends going through 
all of my CDs and ripping them into iTunes so that all of my music was now digital. And then I uploaded all of my music into an iPod. And, and I was shocked that all of my CD collection could be in this tiny little iPod that I was carrying around. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I still have one of those disc-based devices laying by my bedside. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've got one sitting here in my office, too. It, Except uh, I never charge it anymore. It's probably every time you want to go use it, you have to charge it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and you hope that your battery doesn't swell up because it's been sitting there for how many years, right? Yeah. Not being used. So. Yeah, that's the problem with things. Use is necessary to keep them fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I say on my old iPhones that I was talking about earlier. You know, I don't, I don't charge them up anymore. I, I mostly use them to compare to newer, newer phones. You know, just to yeah. feel it, feel in your hand. I think I've said it before. One of my favorite phones in my hand was still the form factor from the iPhone five. That tall, skinny aluminum body. Phone hey Todd, I got an great. answer. Why the things, the newer ones are heavier? They got all those electrons weighing them down. <laughs> Well, in a sense, they do have electrons weighing them down because every, <laughs> everything is made up of, of atoms and electrons, right? Yeah. Uh, including the stainless steel and the glass front and back on these things. And yeah. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> honestly, I think it would be nice if the fine designer folks at Apple would think about weight as much as they think about thinness, you know? Because yeah. with the phones, for me, we've gotten to a point where I don't care if it's any thinner. In fact, I, I don't care if it's a little thicker. Make it lighter. Yeah. So, and quite frankly, my iPhone 14 has been bugging me lately. Uh, it, it has on multiple occasions, it does this like soft reboot and hmm. it's, it's, you know, I'll get the little thing spinning in the middle, like it's rebooted. But then when it comes back, it comes back with the same apps running. It doesn't do a full reboot boot, but the, the interface that they call springboard, where you see all your icons, it's like springboard yeah. reboots. And I went and looked in the, uh, there's like a, a log on your phone. You can go find it if you're, if you're so inclined to see if I had like a kernel panic or something that caused it. I don't see anything that's happening. I, I should probably take it into an Apple store uh, and have them look at it and see if they can figure out. But it's happened to me at least a couple times a week now where mm. it just kind of reboots itself. You know, I go to use it and my battery use, my battery life has gone way down. Uh, remember, I told you that it says that right now, even if I fully charge it, I only get 87% of my battery. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not even a year old. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not real happy with the way the phone's been working of late. Mm. But um, Well, you ought to get a mini. So, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's only three weeks away from the iPhone 15. That's what I'll get. Um, actually, I, You're I, prepping yourself for it. Well, I've had issues with the phone, so I'm going to take it in and get it looked at either way. But I have um, – this is the first phone I've done this with. Instead of just buying the phone outright, I, I'm, all, I'm part of the Apple phone upgrade program. And so I just pay monthly. And so I've already been sent a thing saying that, you know, you're eligible to upgrade. So when the i15 – the the – iPhone 15 comes out, I can switch to that one and send this one back and just keep paying the monthly fee. Yeah. So I probably will do that. I mean, don't see a reason not to, especially when this phone seems to be acting a little flaky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. 
It's funny how you can think of, though, everything is an excuse to upgrade when you get yeah. the new stuff coming. Yeah, right? no, I know what you mean. I've certainly, uh, you know, mentally convinced myself that it's, uh, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I need, I need that. I need whatever that is. But much like the watches we were saying earlier, there's been so, I mean, the, the changes from one year to the next on the phones has not been significant since the iPhone ten. Yeah. yeah, iPhone 10, which you were you got. I didn't even this this iPhone. Oh, I guess I got an iPhone 11. So I did. I wasn't there for the S, and then I got the 11. So two years after you upgraded to the 10, I got. I went to the the Face ID phones, uh, but that was a significant change in the way the thing works. Was yep. You know that was major, but you know all of the difference between the X, the iPhone 10, and the iPhone 14, and everything in between. I mean, you know, they changed the external external look, so somebody knows if you have one of the newer ones. But the actual functionality, not significant. You know, yeah. I mean, the camera's gotten better and better and better. But that's, you know, the iPhone 10 and the the iPhone 11 that I had. The I had an 11 Pro, took great pictures. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. you know, I mean, you know, the 14 probably takes slightly better and it has, you know, more, uh, it has a wider wide angle and a more telephoto telephoto. So it's, you know, I get a little bit more flexibility, but. Well, you know, another thing that's happened at Apple recently, very recently, since July the 31st. What's that? It's called an official technical correction. <gasps> Shares are down about 11%. Ah. So it's it's time to go get the bargains. Yeah, exactly. Those those with with money who aren't trying to just, you know, pay for the gas in their tanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to inflation um, are uh, yeah, you know. It's yeah. it, it's 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 a lot of people are like, oh no, panic, panic, sell your Apple stock. The, the prices are going down, and that's when everybody else, or that's when the smart investors are going, aha. <laughs> aha, yeah, keep it going, keep it going a while yeah. longer. Yeah, you, now you, it's a guess. Where's the bottom? <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and sell it to me. I'll, t I'll, you know, I mean, 11% significantly down. So, yeah. yeah, that's probably a bargain for those who are out there doing that. Again, don't do any investing based on our recommendations neither of us are On investment analysts that's right we are not financial advisors i'm just reading the news <laughs> right exactly please don't don't reach out to us and say you said bye and then it went down and like uh, yeah yeah we don't we're not advisors and uh, and don't pretend to be <laughs> i don't even play one on tv so yeah um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, you know, the whole marketplace has been a little waka waka lately. I've been reading a whole bunch of articles about the uh, economy in China taking a dive and that because it's, you know, a large, second largest economy in the world that it's probably going to affect us at some point uh, negatively as well. So hmm. we'll see. We'll see. You know, I'm, I'm not one to go out and predict the future too much, but and I'll a predict the technical future. I will bet you a month from now we'll be talking about iPhone 15s. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, the last uh, rumor uh, we have here is is that the uh, at least one at least some of the iPhone 15 models will be able to really charge fast, like with a 35 watt charger. Um, yeah. Which sounds cool, except that that also generally means that the phones. Uh, we will see what Apple does with their, you know, software and their control. But that also takes a toll on batteries. Batteries don't seem to last as well when you do lots of fast charging. Yeah, 
Yeah. So. As an as another sort of a historical feature or few, as a, a historical person from Apple mm-hmm. that made the news today. Uh, I don't know if you remember him, but I do. Mike Markula. Oh yeah, he, he was, was a, one of the founders or, uh, or initial investor. He was investor. the second CEO. Right. Yeah. Anyway, he sold his fourteen thousand acre Carmel Valley ranch today for thirty five million. Yeah. But uh, he was a co-founder. Yeah. No, I saw that uh, that article, and, and there, a lot of people forget about him. But he was he was uh, he was their early investor, and, and basically got the company yeah. going for these two young kids who sort of, you know, had this vision and he, he bought into the vision and said, okay, let's do yeah. this. Yeah. I had even forgotten the name for a long, all that period of time. He's just kind of disappeared yeah. in the ether. Yeah. Well, you don't hear a lot about him. You know, he's not, uh, he's not active in Apple in any well, he's way. He's got to be about my age too. Yeah. Yeah. And unlike Wozniak, he, he wasn't the, the, you know, the name of somebody who was doing things real actively forward with the company, you know, and by the time Jobs had come back and, you know, created the modern Apple, uh, he was no longer part of the picture. So, yeah, you know, he's sort of the forgotten man, but obviously, you know, he had some money at the time that he put into the idea that these two young guys had and, and, you know, did good, helped them launch a company. Yeah. So... So anyway, and, and now he's cashing in on a big ranch that he decided he doesn't need anymore. Well, he actually owned it in conjunction with the Wildlands Conservancy. So there was ah. a environmental group that he was uh, working with. Uh, he had other interests, and so mm-hmm. uh, it was a joint sale. And I don't know how. There's no real details on how it was broken up. But. Yeah, yeah, I'd kind of seen that, but I was like, well, you know, it's. But I guess you know it is. It's interesting to us because of who who owned it, right, and who who was dealing with it. So. Yeah, yeah. He just had an early uh, connection with Apple, and mm-hmm. never was otherwise really well known. Yeah, I will say that the picture that they show of the estate, which looks like it's either from a helicopter or from a drone up above it, shows a pretty sprawling building complex and a nice big uh, lake off to uh, one side in this beautiful green, lush valley. It just looks gorgeous. It does. It looks you beautiful. Know? I mean, if you you know want to go in an area you know where you'd like to go out horseback riding or hiking or something, it just looks just like a perfect place. Yeah, a sprawling home kind of in the front foreground and then a lake off to the side. And... Yeah. Well, you see, you see the main building there too, but I see another building kind of over between the trees. So it looks like there was... Complex yeah. is the right word because there was probably a lot of stuff, different things there, and and you can't tell in the picture because it's too far away. You know, if some of that was like a, an outbuilding for like a barn and animals and things like that, or whether well, it, was... it looks like a very large garage, probably three or four car wide. Yeah, yeah, very possibly just a garage, but but uh, but the pic the the main thing I was taking from is just you know the the panorama of the the rolling hills and the trees and the yep. you know meadows and th- it just looks very pretty very pretty yeah you can pro- but from the name rana creek ranch you could probably find a sort of where it is on yeah the map. well carmel yep. valley yep. so you know you can go to your handy dandy apple maps and go to the search and, type and it'll in say mark lives here <laughs> put Carmel Valley in there and you get Carmel Valley Ranch in Carmel, USA 
And guess what? I found it that quickly. And huh. they have a charge point there for charging up electrical vehicles. Well, of course. And uh, he probably yeah. has a Tesla. And he's about uh, a quarter mile from a Safeway. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Every, it's everybody's got to eat. Carmel Valley Village. And it's all about uh, five miles inland from the coast of Monterey. It is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, yeah, inland from Monterey, kind of south of Salinas, which for those of you who don't know the, um, the California coastal stuff, this puts them maybe uh, 30 miles south of San Jose and probably... 40 or 50 miles south of San Francisco proper. So it's, you know, it's sort of north central or probably more considered central California, mm -hmm. uh, but it's coastal. And uh, Big Sur, which is a gorgeous, you know, uh, coastal area is 10 miles south of Carmel Valley. So it's, it's a really pretty area and it's sort of the, um, uh, yeah, the I, they're I, saying I, it's the coastal, the coastal mountains there are the Santa Santa Lucia Mountains, the Santa Lu yeah, Lucia I, Range. I, I missed it. Actually, the sale was to an environmental group. Oh, that okay. plans on turning it into a nature preserve. Well, looking at that photo, that I totally get why. Yep. That it's just absolutely gorgeous. So. Yep, it's beautiful. Yeah, good. Good for them. You know, hopefully they'll uh, make it uh, available for the public to see. But I'm sure if they're trying to do it as a nature preserve, there'll probably be limited public access because, you know, people mess up the whole nature preserve thing. <laughs> yeah. They tend to. Too many too many people walking through staring at it and poking <laughs> poking things and throwing trash and, you know. Go to oh, the yeah. go to well, the wonderful national parks and let the let the nature preserve be. <laughs> yep. That's a stay out. That's yeah. What that says. Yeah. Exactly. The more I thought about it, the less I was inclined to think that the um, that the you know nature preserve would allow people in. But it's very pretty. They said it has a working cattle ranch with a private lake, riding arena, two barns, twenty nine thousand foot airplane landing strip, uh, and an understated five thousand yeah. four hundred and thirteen square foot main house with a swimming pool. Yeah, understated. I, I'm not quite <laughs> sure how 5,000 square foot home is understated by. You know, <laughs> they need to explain that one to me, but uh, yeah, but anyhow, yeah. So anyway, well, I think that's a good note to close on. I agree. I think we have talked ourselves out today. So today yep. has been. Monday, August 21st. We're almost at the end of August. We're a couple weeks away from Apple's announcements. Uh, maybe next week. Well, I don't know. They usually say it a, a two weeks in advance, so they probably tell everybody on Tuesday next week, and we'll record on Monday and still not know what's going on for sure. But uh, but maybe. We'll see. There's still yeah. other, other tech stuff happening in the world, so we'll try to Try to find something to keep talking about until there's uh, new new toys. And you know what will happen as soon as Apple announces, or maybe even Apple will announce that they're going to do something in two weeks, and then Samsung will say, okay, well, we're going to announce something in one week. And and then shortly thereafter, everybody else announces. They kind of go into the end of the year or the Christmas buying season. There will be all kinds of announcements and, and interesting tech stuff to talk about. Yeah. So at least that's our hope. That's our dream, that we have cool things to talk about. Yeah. So, 
Well, there'll be always something we can chatter on. <laughs> That's we're, true. We're chatterboxes. We are. So anyway, <laughs> have a great week, and we'll be back next week. Thanks again for joining us on See Generation Tech. See you in a couple Tech. days. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye.